1: Discover your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald.
2: Welcome to the PowerCat Insiders Podcast, your early week podcast from GoPowerCat.com. We're supported by Blue Mark Energy. Does your company or your employer spend $4,000 or more a year on energy bills? Would you like to reduce those costs by 25% or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability? If so, it's time to speak with Blue Mark Energy. Blue Mark Energy is K-State-owned and K-State-proud. What an interesting weekend for Kansas State sports. Let's start with basketball. The men find a way to get it done and win their third out of four games, a 61-56 victory over Iowa State. The Cats are red hot. Well, maybe like a... Like a light red, not really pink, but just you know, they're 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 moderately hot, winning three out of four, and it's really come down to defense. As I said on the daily delivery, guys, it's amazing. They've now won three games by scoring 62, 62, and 61 and holding opponents to 54, 57, and 56. I I can lay out the scoring formula for K-State to win. There's kind of a sweet spot right now for the Wildcats. Jay, let's start with you. Your thoughts on how the Cats handled Iowa State leading at halftime and then holding them off the entire second half, which I thought was a little bit encouraging.
3: Yeah, I mean, they were shorthanded again without Antonio Gordon and just made plays down the end. It it seems like every time Iowa State went on a run, a few times that happened, that they were able to survive that and uh, come back and and answer with a bucket. I mean, Iowa State cut it to, I think, four or three at one point and had the ball and missed a three. And then K-State just pulled away and made it comfortable. The game really wasn't in doubt coming down the stretch, which is what you like to see. you know, they, they did a good job of uh, rebounding, defending three, um, uh, which Iowa State's going to shoot a lot of threes. Uh, and they also, did, I thought they did a good job overall on, on uh, Sullivan Young inside too. He can be an absolute beast inside. But I thought David Bradford did a good job uh, matching up against him. And I think that's, you know, we talk a lot about Bradford's offensive skill, but, you um, they did a lot, uh, defensively as well. Uh, Davion's growth has been, I should say on the defensive end, you know, he, I thought he played well against young. Uh, there were still times when he got uh, pinned and it was out of position, but I think, you know, his defense overall has really matured over the year uh, to go along with his offensive game.
2: Yeah, it really has. He's He's beginning to understand some of the defensive principles. got a long ways to go. Matt, really nice win. Mike McGurl has another good game. It's interesting that, you know, when they wanted Iowa State to start the Big 12 season, it was De'Juan Gordon hitting 12 out of 12 free throws. And they end the Big 12 season with this rescheduled game. And Mike McGurl goes 9 of 10 from the line. So hitting free throws is obviously key to beating the Cyclones.
0: They hit um... Had a couple of threes, you know, like K-State, three double-figure scores. I thought, you know, along with what McGurl did, I thought Sultan Miguel's defense was, was pretty solid in the ballgame. And he had a rather unique line of nine points, five boards, and seven assists. In fact, of the, the ten assists, Miguel had seven of them. And the other thing that was also very interesting, consider one of them was what you would call a team rebound. But outside of that, K-State only had two offensive rebounds the entire day. Uh, in the ball game and, and were still able to win. They got, they got worked over on the glass a little bit, but long shots equal long rebounds. So, uh, you know, positives. Kansas state is, you know, kind of walked around a couple of corners and uh, did. So uh, a wee bit shorthanded and again, some guys are still dinged up, but um, yeah, considering, you know, considering where this team was after losing 13 straight, uh, let's just say they're not in Iowa state's boat. And hmm. uh you know, I can't. I can't imagine what that's like going through a conference season where you get, you know, you get skunked. You got a bagel showing in the wind column as you get ready to go to the conference tournament.
2: Never saw that coming. Yeah, there's some weird things on this stats sheet. Considering K State won, they're outboarded forty-one twenty-eight. They just got absolutely destroyed on the boards. <clears throat> they didn't shoot it particularly well, but they did shoot it a little bit better than Iowa State, at least from the field and including three the three point line. Gil, somehow, K-State was not the the worst of the two three-point shooting teams in this game, but they were right on brand. They shot 29%. Iowa State was 5 of 23, and in fact, some of those makes were late in the game to make it a little bit closer as they really struggled. They, they looked like Kansas State has looked in other games this season, but today or this game, it was Kansas State looking like the more collected team, which is remarkable considering how far this team has come.
1: Yeah, and Matt had mentioned it that Dejuan hit a few threes, and they didn't look like bad shots. When I, you know, I was there, and they left his hand. I was like, those actually look like they have a chance to go in. So that was a breath of fresh air to see for Dejuan. And, and Jay, you also had touched on it that Iowa State. This it wasn't like you know the most competitive game in the world, but they made a few runs at K State. You know, Weber called the, the timeouts when it was appropriate and, and calmed his guys down. So, you know, three of the last four, like you said, fits, and they've got some real momentum a chance to make it four of five against TCU.
2: Yep, they head into Kansas City now uh, to play TCU uh, on Wednesday in the first round of the Big 12 tournament. But, Jay, I want to talk to you a little bit about the evolution of Selton Miguel, who came in, uh, we thought he'd be kind of a good scorer for K-State doesn't really have the game yet to score at this level. I think it's there. He just has to develop his skill set more and and understand that uh, he's not the biggest, strongest, fastest guy on the court, which apparently was the his case in um, many games at the AU and high school level. Those seven assists and his attention to defense now are are really helping the team more than what he could be as a scorer. It's really impressive how he's kind of filled in the blank spots in his game even though he continues to struggle a little bit to score the ball.
3: Yeah, he's really matured as a player over the course of the year. And I think what he's really doing now is we've talked about it before is what does the team need you to do versus what do you want to do? I think he's made that uh, transition or is continuing to make that transition from recognizing that he's not a sharp shooter. He's not. um, There's a reason why he's open from the perimeter all the time. And recognizing that uh, his his job is to facilitate more than it is to score. Um, and, and, and to be a lockdown defender, I think he's using his athleticism a little bit more in ways that um, benefit him. But, you know, it's it's accepting, you know, what is my role as the team to help the team as opposed to what do I want to do to get mine and what do I think is best for me. And that's been really um Really great to see that uh, that process as, he, as he's gone into the year. You know, he's like all freshmen. He's got times where he reverts back and has issues with it, but by and large, you know, that's something that he's really improved on throughout
2: the season. Iowa State two and twenty-one, O and eighteen. As mentioned, it's just dreadful, dreadful, unexpectedly bad season for the Cyclones. K State takes that eight nineteen mark to Kansas City, four and fourteen in the Big Twelve. With wins in these last uh, three or four games over TCU, Oklahoma, and Iowa State, who are the seventh, what is it, the seventh, eighth, and tenth seeds in this tournament? K State being the ninth. Matt, I, I I look at this box score and I don't see a win. <clears throat> you know what I mean? It, it it isn't like they played really well. It isn't like uh, they overwhelmed their opponent. And I actually think that's a good sign uh, because they're not winning because they're having a hot day from the field. They're grinding it out, which I think is a really positive sign. They're learning how to win closer games. I, I got to be honest, Matt Walters. I'm a little blown away by how much this team's grown in the last few weeks.
0: Well, there's still lots of room for it. Absolutely. I, I think the growth has been incremental. It hasn't, you know, it's not like K-State's jumped from a, on a scale of one to ten from a three to an eight all of a sudden. Uh, again, at times, still not the the prettiest of uh, things to watch. And, and keep in mind, K State also won this game and had a drought of around seven minutes, which that doesn't happen very often. So, uh, you know, they're they're able to overcome their own warts in some ways. But uh, you know, I, I I think about what. You know what's coming for this basketball team. What Bruce Weber's going to do in terms of recruiting. You know he's he's got to find some more veteran presence for this basketball team. And uh, but you know again credit credit the kids. I mean in this day and age, how easy it would be to just go El Foldo, to run away to. Oh, I got a transfer, you know, it's as, as Jay said, you know, Salton Miguel is proof positive and he's doing what's best for the team. And, um, you know, there's some lessons to be learned from that. And if these guys stick together, you know, it's still, it may not be next year, maybe two years down the road, but there will be some good things coming. It's, it's just a matter of, of what gets plugged in with, um, you know, with this program in terms of recruits and who are the other guys that lined up playing for K state here in the next couple of
2: years. And Ryan Gilbert, no Antonio Gordon. Just kind of went missing in the game. We found out afterwards that he, uh, as Coach Weber said, has an accumulation of injuries that have really kind of set him back. But we also believe he may not even be with the program. Tell us the latest on uh, what you've reported at Go Powercat about Antonio Gordon yeah well,
1: <laughs> I wish I could give you a real answer if he's on the team or not, but Weber talked about it after the game and just said it was you know kind of an accumulation of everything. He's been going through some personal stuff as well as as well as health issues, and then he was asked to clarify it and called it total health issues. and then, like you talked about on the daily delivery fits, Michael Goins, he asked again. And didn't really give an answer. He dodged the question if he was still on the team or not. So that's a big blow. uh He's not going to be with the team for the remainder of the season. Is what Weber said. So you know, Gordon was that solid role player that was he was inconsistent this year. At some good moments, and you know, he had that game against Baylor where he didn't miss a field goal and was playing on fire. So he was making some hustle plays. And I was always kind of teeter tottering on Gordon, not only this year but last year as well, as if I if I liked him or not, so to speak. And he was starting to click for me, so that's that's a blow for K State, and you know, just kind of adds to their shorthandedness, so to speak, moving forward.
2: Speaking of roles, Jay, I asked about Seldon Miguel. Antonio Gordon had kind of uh, become the the baby Rodman, if you want to say it that way, for the Wildcats, mm-hmm. going out there and really focusing on rebounding the ball. I, I think it's interesting that he wasn't available in this game. They got killed on the boards and defending and being a little bit more blue collar. He'd really started to find his role. So the fact that now he's gone into witness protection is, is a little troubling for me. Yeah. I mean, it's, we've seen it before. I mean,
3: we've, uh, this isn't, this isn't anything new for the program. I think, you know, as, Critical of people have been of Bruce, and I personally been of Bruce at times. You know, Matt Matt laid out a really good point, and we've seen this from year to year, from other past years too. You can say a lot of things about uh, Bruce's teams in years past and seasons where he struggled, but I don't think you can say that the kids have quit on him um, from a from an effort standpoint. Maybe last year a little bit. Uh, I think there was so much frustration, but. You know, it always seems like, you know, the, the season's going tough and then all of a sudden they pull out a big win or things like that. You can say that they're inconsistent. You can say that, um, you know, there, there, there's a lot of problems in, in down seasons like this, but, but it, to the kid's credit, the coach's credit too, you know, I don't think you can say that, that the kids have quit on him um, wholeheartedly because otherwise you'd see a team a lot like Iowa State uh, that we saw on Saturday. Um, but, you know, as far as Antonio goes, um, it, the, the problem is that the, there's been so much of this in the past. That fans are automatically skeptical as to what does this mean? Is this really a health issue, or is this something else? And my personal view on it is that that's all going to sort itself out. If it, if it turns out that you know Antonio Gordon transfers and ends up at another school next year. There's gonna be some questions as to, you know, were you really up front with the fan base when that when that happened. But for now I'm I'm gonna take Bruce at his word, give him the benefit of the doubt. Whatever demons Antonio is facing, I hope he I hope he gets past them. And I think that fans in general should should do that as well. And and get give, give, give the young man the benefit of the doubt and give him the support he needs to get through whatever
0: he's going through.
2: Matt, this this program can't have mass departures at the end of the season if this season's been about the young guys they have to retain him it struck me today when we were talking to Bruce Weber previewing that TCU game on Wednesday he's down to McGurl and um, Dejuan Gordon as the only two guys that played in inside of the T-Mobile Center it's all all newcomers after that, and, and that's remarkable. I mean, it's that just emphasizes how young they are, and uh, they're now improving. You got to hold on to this core.
0: I think you will. Uh, might there be a, a guy or two the leaves? So I, you know, don't know everybody's situation. You you hope not. Um, you know, it, it, it's very odd to say that you got two guys on your entire roster that played in that building before going into the Big 12 tournament, but, you know, it is what it is. Roll it out there. Kansas State can there's no doubt they can beat TCU. They've done it. They did it down in Fort Worth, and, you know, again, uh, I don't know that K-State's going to pull a UConn here and win five games in five days, but wouldn't surprise me if they beat TCU. And, and then, you know, again, there's, there's not a lot of time to take your, you know, take a breath and, uh, and it's not just coach Weber. I mean, the entire coaching staff, they've got to get back to work, give the players a, you know, a couple of weeks when all is said and done, and then they've got to get back to work. Um, you know, I, I chuckled when we were talking about Selton Miguel earlier, and we've talked about it so many times. Uh, I, I hope, he gets one of those big rubber bands from Ben, the strength and conditioning coach and wraps it around him and sticks his right arm inside of it. And every day just works (laughs) with that left hand. Cause he's got a, he he could be such a more complete player at the offensive end. If he'll just develop a, a left hand and I can't wait to see it next year where he starts to go right. And then he crosses over and breaks some dude's ankles because lo and behold, does a sophomore we'll have a left hand?
2: You hope so. I mean, some of these it was just guys,
0: like Jay Hydrick back in the day, Fitz. It was just like Jay. Jay always went left and never went right. So I'm thinking maybe, maybe the same holds true here. Jay did develop a right hand shortly, or uh, you know, after his community college days, and maybe Selton will do the same type thing. In fact, maybe Jay could help on the education front there. I've, I've rarely been right in anything in my life.
2: Yeah, I, I would like. I just this really steps out of the norm, here for the podcast. But I'm trying to wrap my mind around how two left-handed basketball players had a right-handed pitcher as their daughter. I mean,
3: both both, both our kids are right-handed. I mean, it's a nightmare trying to teach them how to tie
2: shoes. I I don't I don't understand how that works. Do Do they not realize how much more the left-handed people get paid in the sports world?
3: Yeah, so, apparently not. I mean, I, I kept trying to force my son to be locked in as he was growing up, but to know about it.
2: Well, there we go. That's some good parenting right there. Uh, Ryan Gilbert, uh, Matt alluded to this. Uh, K-State is just 10 victories away now from a national title. So there's that. I mean, they could run through Kansas City, and if they don't get in the first four as Big 12 champions, they just need six more wins in Indianapolis to be national champions. Um, Joking aside, they are a lot better than they were in January, and I think they're going to win Wednesday against TCU and earn the right to get destroyed by Baylor again, but um, this team needs to finish this definitively and win that game and then just try to have a good showing against Baylor, don't they?
1: Yeah, and it's un- it's unfortunate that they have to play Baylor. That really does suck. But it feels like they're always playing TCU. They played them last year, and honestly, what a train wreck of a season it was. But you know, that was a good game for the you know, the team to kind of go out with a win. Not many teams ever in sports can say they ended a season with a win, so that was special for them. And you know, they had the overtime game. what was that three or four years ago uh, in the in the first round. So I feel like they're always playing TCU, and it's always a good game. So. It'll be, it'll be fun. And Mike McGirl's, you know, who who knows if this will be potentially his last go around Um, Fitz, real quick. You said earlier, I don't think anyone's ever played in T-Mobile center. Have they?
2: That's true. Technically. No, it's been the sprint center in the past. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, I think that that really changed a lot of things about the facility. It's now pink (laughs) lit up pink. So there's that. Um, Yeah, I don't, it's pink. Um, I, I don't like the name. It doesn't roll off the tongue quite like Sprint Center, but, you know, so be it. So be it. Um, <clears throat> Matt, let's turn our attention a little bit to baseball. Disappointing weekend, losing two out of three to Eastern Illinois. What went wrong with the Cats this weekend?
0: Well, it starts with theirs. Um, mm. If you can't field it, you're going to have all sorts of problems. You know, it's really where, where you start and where you stop. Uh, you know, K-State committed eight, Eastern Illinois – was clean all weekend. Uh, K-State's bullpen continues to have some struggles and, you know, on Sunday went from seven to two up and then, you know, fell apart at that point. So, uh, some work to be done. It happens, you know, over the weekend, Will Roberts won a series against number eight LSU. So, it happens and so many baseball teams are just that much older. The roster is bigger and and older and uh, tough loss, but K State doesn't have any time to to dwell on it because they've got six games coming up this week: two with South Dakota State, and then four down in Houston, two with Northern Illinois, and two with Rice. Uh, the trouble is not a lot of practice time this week, but uh, K State's got some things they've got to get figured out.
2: And women's basketball, Matt. I know you got you got to take off here, so let's handle this in the first segment. They finished the finish regular season eight and 17, 3 and fifteen in Big Twelve play. Really disappointing season for a team picked fourth. It just kind of fell apart on Coach Mitty and company this season. They'll play Texas Tech on Thursday in the opening round of the Big 12 women's tournament, which is back in Kansas City where it belongs.
0: Yeah, uh, at, at the Muni, and, you know, just just crazy. You know, K State, they win won some home games down the stretch. Um, it's aggravating when you lose to a team like Oklahoma that's small and you know, for the most part, played six players. You know, Aokalee had a couple of career games against OU, but, you know, Oklahoma's starting five, uh, you know, scored 81 out of its 90 points yesterday, I believe. And, uh, you know, and Oklahoma did it by not hitting a lot of threes. So, you know, again, uh, like you said, there were some things that just didn't go the way of the Cats. You know, Rachel Ranke's had... Uh, an incredibly difficult year. She did not shoot a wall yesterday. She hasn't shot a wall from long range much of the year, even though you know, she got to the 1,000-point mark in her career uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's been frustrating. We'll see if K-State can, can go take another one from Texas Tech. They split the season series. And, you know, it's, just, it's been crazy to see a team that can develop leads and then can't hang on to them. Um, and then have games where they just, you know, they get blown out of the water. But, you know, when you look at the Big 12 right now, Baylor can win a national championship. West Virginia is, is a load. Uh, Oklahoma State, I think, has played as well as anybody, especially in the last four to six weeks. So uh, it's still Baylor's tournament to win on the women's front. And, you know, for Kansas State, they've got to develop a point guard They've got to uh, you know, get some other scores to go along with with Chrissy Carr and Aokalea. Some other people have to, to step up down the road. So, it's, uh, like for the men, it's going to be a busy offseason for the
2: women. So, let's recap the weekend here. K-State men's bas- basketball plays good defense and wins. K-State women's basketball plays bad defense and loses. K-State baseball plays sloppy defense and loses. Kids, there's a lesson there. Be Be defensive. Good. Couldn't uh, you got
0: you, you have to pitch it. You have to defend it. What's also you know on the baseball front, what's tough is K State starting pitching for the most part. Carson Seymour had a tough start on Saturday, but starting pitching has been good. It's just been after that the bullpens faltered, and and that's something to watch because you don't want the guys that are starting on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to feel like they've got the weight of the world on their shoulders, and they've got to keep opponents to two runs or less because they don't have confidence in the bullpen. So it's still early. Um, a lot of, a lot of mixing and matching goes on in February and here in the, the front part of March case. They didn't start big 12 play until the end of the month at Oklahoma state who's, who hasn't lost a game yet, but uh, you know, K state's got to get some things figured out on the baseball front and I'm sure they will.
2: And before we wind up this first half of the power cat insiders podcast, Jay, I ask you this question, Baylor, is good in women's basketball. Baylor is good in men's basketball, two of the top programs in their divisions in the NCAA. Why not Kansas State? I mean, it's not like Baylor has a long-seated tradition in either one of those. Kim Mulkey on the women's side is building it. But why not Kansas State? I don't see how Baylor can succeed in these things when they don't have an inherent advantage in either of those two sports, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why it can't be Kansas State. And I think that not only what you see with Baylor, but with other, you know, similar programs around uh, the country, particularly the Big 12, but also just looking at Manhattan, you know, shown, you know, the, the old mantra of you can't win in Manhattan, you can't recruit to Manhattan, th- those, are, those are out the window to me. I mean, this is not the program that, it was when Tom Asbury uh, was the head coach when I played there. And when I played there, you know, we, we used to have a hard time finding a place to practice over Christmas break because they, we couldn't practice in our own building because of graduation. The rec was closed down. The high schools were using their places. So we literally pra- practiced at times when it was open at the rec center. We had practice with students watching us. And uh, so th- the commitment to the program The financially, the facilities, things like that, there is no reason why K-State can't be in both men's and women's uh, finish on average in the upper half of the conference every year. There's going to be some years where you'll finish, you know, seventh to eighth. There's also going to be some years where you're going to win it or, you know, be in the top three. But there's no reason why K-State can't, on average, year after year, be in the top half of the Big 12 with the resources they have, the fan support that they have, and the commitment to the programs that that the administration makes.
2: Ryan Gilbert, if you were at the wreck and the team was out there practicing, would you walk up to the sideline and say, I got next? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, yes. If the courts were open. Yes.
2: <laughs> They'll never be open again. I'm sorry, brother.
1: March 22nd. Clint from the rec has told me that's the date.
2: Nice. Very good. Wait. They're going to get the rec open the there. just when basketball's closing down. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. That's it for the first half of the Powercat Insiders podcast. We're going to cut Matt loose. He's a busy business person. That's hard to say, Matt. That's really hard to say, and it's hard to think about considering it's you. We'll be back on the other side with more of the Insiders.
1: The Power Cat Podcast will be right back.
2: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. We now send it back to the power
1: cat podcast.
2: Welcome back to the PowerCat Insiders. We are free of Matt Walters. He had stuff to take care of, a very busy man, between baseball, women's basketball, and all the stuff he does for Kansas State. We appreciate Matt for making time for us. But it's now down to me, Fitz, Ryan Gilbert, and Jay Heidrich from the Go Cat team. And we are sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. Blue Mark is a natural gas products and services provider serving feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark Energy is the natural gas provider for the Kansas State campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. I think it's fitting that a uh, a gas company sponsors our podcast. <clears throat> just just very fitting, the hot air we we put out every week on this podcast. Uh, guys, we're going to kind of just uh, wing it here in the second half because we've covered a lot of the topics. But let's just start with this. Guys, are they going to beat TCU? What do you think?
3: I think they'll have a good chance to, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have said that they were going to beat TC last year and they came in and they won. I was not overly impressed with the effort that TCU displayed when K state played them in Fort worth uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, that's, that's not to take anything away from K State's win because they uh, took advantage of it made the plays and everything. But TCU looks like a team that is maybe, a. um, wants to be done with the season a little bit i know that people are are questioning you know whether jamie dixon should remain at the helm there as well too so um i think you're looking at two teams that are on uh, different trajectories uh, finishing the season k has had some success and tcu is kind of lumping to the finish so it wouldn't surprise me if uh if, if k-state came in and won, but. You know they're going to have to keep doing what they've been doing to have success. They
2: got to score the ball. Now, Gills TCU is twelve of thirteen overall, and five of eleven in the conference. I thought they were on track to make the NIT. Now, now the NIT's been halved from thirty two to sixteen, so it gets a little bit tighter. But. They're not going to get there below 500, which in all likelihood they will be, even if they beat K-State. The winner plays Baylor, and that probably won't go well for the Frogs or the Cats. But, again, Jay's right. TCU was doing better, and now they've really kind of collapsed here at the end.
1: K-State's clicking at the right time. I I think K-State will win. I really do. Um, I mean, they've won like I mentioned earlier in the first half, they keep playing TCU in the Big 12 tournament and they keep beating them. So why, you know, why should that change? I think that, you know, TCU, like you said, is kind of, you hit a wall and I don't want to say they've checked out, but K-State, I think these guys probably care a little bit more. They still want to go out and prove, you know, they've, they've heard everything negative about them and Coach Weber and all this stuff. I think they still want to go out and keep competing and it shows what they've done the last couple of games. So I like K-State straight up. Against Baylor, not
2: so much. Yeah, not so much. The Baylor Bears are beginning to look like the Baylor Bears again. Uh, they had a hard-fought win at West Virginia after that loss at Kansas, and then they turned around on Saturday uh, or Sunday, excuse me, took care of businesses against Texas Tech. Uh, a nice win for the Bears as they uh, began to seem more Baylor-like. Um, Jay, is Baylor for real? Can they Are they a Final Four team?
0: Yes
3: um i think that you know if they can keep their code exposures under control which we hope they'd be able to do over the next couple of weeks uh when they are consistent when they're in flow um i think they're the best team in the country uh, i know a lot of people you know you see dead Gottlieb, excel the time gonzaga are on the field i'll take baylor over gonzaga i think uh, baylor's more athletic i think baylor has um, more playmakers. Gonzaga is really good as well too, but you know, Baylor's just, they're just so long, so athletic um, at every position and, and they can, they can score the ball. I think I heard that on the Texas Tech game uh, yesterday, they're averaging 84 points a game, something like that. I mean, that's just unheard of. Um, so it, it, I, and, and, and they defend, you know, Baylor was always known as a, as his own defense team under Scott Drew um, uh, early on in his career and, and even so much as maybe three years ago, but this team just, gets after you and they force you into a lot of things you don't want to do on both ends of the floor. And, um, you know, I, I think that they're, they're a really fun team to watch and they're going to they're gonna be one of the teams that's going to be right there at the end, I think.
2: Ron Gilbert, this Big 12 is loaded. I mean, I, I still think the Big 10 is a better conference from top to bottom, but the Big 12, uh, the new rankings that came out, I mean, Baylor's going to be a number one seed and you're going to see KU and West Virginia, maybe Oklahoma State and Texas, all in top three or four seed positions in the NCAA tournament. And I come back to this because of what Jay just said. I like Gonzaga a lot. I've watched them. I think they're really good. They've they've had some good non-conference wins, but they really haven't been pushed at all since they went into conference play. I think they've had a close game here and there. But in the Big 12, outside of TCU, K-State, and, and Iowa State, with, with – maybe an exception here and there, it's a test every time you're on the court. You're challenged, you're pushed, you could lose a game, uh, and Baylor has survived that with the exception of that Kansas game, and I think that's advantage Bears going into the tournament.
1: Yeah, even with K-State and TCU and these bottom teams, that's still a night and day difference than St. Mary's or San Francisco. I don't even know the teams in that conference. So, you know, it, the big 12 is loaded. Like you said, I mean, Oklahoma just a few weeks ago was right there, right behind Baylor. And now they're, they're the sixth seed, right? Seventh. So, seventh. they're
2: playing the first day,
1: excuse me. I need to, I need to get my, my facts straight. Yeah. It's crazy how much it fluctuates there near the top and Oklahoma state's just absolutely surging right now. Um, that road, win at West Virginia, I mean, without likely, um, uh, heck of a win. And I know me and you agree that Cunningham's a little overrated, but he's still a heck of a player.
2: Played so, without him too.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, Pretty it's, just, it's, it's so deep. I mean, even – I don't know if you are trying to get me to compare it to – was it the Mountain West? I don't even know. The, uh, That's Western. how much I don't know about Gonzaga. Yeah, it's whatever it, conference it is. Yeah. It's, I think that Baylor's got as good a chance as anyone to, to go and, and win the – The national
2: championship, I really do. West Coast Conference, I believe. Jay, what a full-circle moment. College basketball ended last year with K-State beating TCU. I think that was the last game played before the shutdown. And I love the the stat that Bruce Weber became the first K-State coach to end the season on a victory since Jack Hartman in 73 because that team didn't make any postseason, and that predated the Big 12 postseason tournament. So they played a regular season game, one, and that was the season. So uh, it's a kind of an anomaly that K-State won and didn't win a national championship in the process last year, or at least a t- tournament title of some sort. And now here they are, almost one year exactly, playing TCU in the first round of the Big 12 tournament. I, I feel like uh, this is a kind of a coming around in a circle pandemic moment for all of us as K state heads down to downtown Kansas city.
3: Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about this this morning about how far we've come over the past year. Um, and I, we we don't say this enough, um, but we get on here every week and we critique and compliment players and coaches and things like that. But if you're a fan of college sports um you should say thank you to every college athlete that has played this year you should say thank you to every coach every administrator because the sacrifices these kids and coaches and trainers and administrators and everyone has made to, to pull this off has just been incredible and people just don't understand i mean if you think wearing a mask to the grocery store is an incredible burden on your life you have no idea what these kids have gone through. And so you're sitting at home watching TV and, um, uh, and, and complaining about the game or cheering for the game, whatever your response may be. The fact that you get to do that is because of the sacrifices that a lot of people, a lot of kids have made. And and, and K State fans in particular, but also the entire college sports fan arena, should say a huge thank you to everyone who's made that happen because. When you think about um, what, what what the uncertainty was and the mindset of uh, a year ago, we were sitting here not knowing, you know, if we were ever going to do this again. Uh, what was this virus? How is it going to play out? And it is is it short term? Is it long term? What is it? And um, it, it's been it's been a great um, testament to uh, discipline and the ability to solve problems. To, there are a thousand reasons why you shouldn't have played this season this year. They found the one why you could. And and that's that's a that that's a huge testament to everyone that was involved in that to make it happen. So for me, thank you. Because if there's one thing this country needs right now, it's it's a distraction to sports and, and being able to feel
2: like you're a part of something. You did. My only regret in the last year is I didn't start a mask company. I mean, it was (laughs) a great opportunity right there. Um, It is wild to think about our lack of knowledge about what we were facing one year ago this week as I sat in Kansas City at the Sprint Center uh, covering a game. We find out Rudy Gobert's tested positive. Uh, We're finding reports that Fred Hoiberg's in the process of dying on the sidelines. I mean, that's literally what it sounded like when it turned out to just be like a stomach virus, not even COVID-related. And we were all very fearful of what we were getting into. I remember uh, fleeing Kansas City to come home, not until after I stopped at Jack Stack Barbecue. Let me be clear about that. That was worth the risk. Uh, And coming home and going to the grocery store and loading up on groceries to get me through the next 15 days without leaving the house. And 15 days became a lot longer than that. And they found a way to play football. They found a way to play basketball. And you're right. I feel like setting your, what you just said to music, because we do owe them, you know, not just for my business, but for my sanity, Uh, having sports to watch and kind of distract me from everything going on. They're getting, people bitch about that nose swab. These kids are getting it twice a week at minimum. Twice a week they're getting that uh, nasal swab where they kind of touch the back of your brain. Um, and it's, it's not been easy. But Ryan Gilbert, you've gone through it too. I mean, it's affected you as a student and, and just how every, how you do everything and try to go through life. It's not very convenient, and I can't imagine, Gills, being a student-athlete and trying to get through this and manage this without getting exposed. You have to cut yourself off from social activities maybe you would like to have, and um, it's been trying, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, it's been tough, and <clears throat> with Manhattan here, things are starting to get back to normal with the bars having no more capacity and being open until 2.00, but. That you you can't do that if you're an athlete. I I've seen a few of them out uh, over breaks when they're not in season, but you know you can't do that. You just you can't do that, and I can't imagine. Um, you know this has been it's been so hard for me. You know this is my last year of college, and I'm having to. You know I, I have one class that meets in person once a week. That's it. Everything else is on Zoom. So I'm trying to just go out and do as much as I can on my own to just you know get out of my house. You know I, I love people. I love being around people and you can't do that if you're an athlete. So that has to, it's just, I can't imagine how, how tough that has to be, you know, getting that test, you know, multiple times a week and all that stuff. What's that? Is that an echo? Sorry.
2: Yeah. We're picking up an echo somewhere.
1: Okay. But yeah, I just, I can't imagine. Can't imagine.
2: Well, I asked that very question about coming full circle by playing TCU in Kansas city to Bruce Weber earlier this week. And here is what coach Weber said.
3: It, it's weird, to be honest. It's weird. Uh, it was. It was. Uh, you know, weird going through it last year. Um, you know, and the. You know, as I said, the unknowns, and and we know more now, uh, but we still. There's still. You know, I don't think we're out of the. We we got our head above water, but you know, we got to get out of the. We got to get out of the water. So it, it's still. It's going to be a little ways before. And we'll get, you know, hopefully get through the NCAA tournament, uh, which will be, it, it's important for the NCAA. It's important for college basketball. It's important for a lot of, lot of reasons. So, um, uh, hope, hope that happens.
2: Well, guys, um, this has been a painful, painful Kansas state basketball season, uh, and, Just literally an unheard of back-to-back seasons for Kansas State. The worst two seasons post-World War II, and really you can argue in the history of the program. And yet, Jay, there have been very different seasons. Last year they had Xavier Sneed, Curtis Jada. They had reasons to be better, and they weren't. It was a dysfunctional team. Um, This season, they're young they're young and they're, they're getting there. Uh, but this season has been filled with so much more hope for the future. Last season was just a disaster. It just stunk. Uh, so, um, I, at least I have that to go with. I've kind of harped on that theme all year long. There's hope with these young kids like Nigel Pack and Davion Bradford.
3: Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of pieces that, that that you can work with coming back and, in, I think what are they one five out of the last six, uh, coming down and, uh, and, 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 they're on a, they're, they're definitely on an upward trend. Um, I think what's going to be key in the off season is a couple of things. One is getting, getting everybody back. Um, you know, if you, if you have to turn over the roster again, um, that's going to be a problem. I mean, in, in, and everyone talks about, well, who cares if you lose your bottom three players? Well, the problem is that if you lose your bottom three players one year, and then you lose your and replace them with your bottom three, and then the next year you lose your next bottom three players, all of a sudden your bottom three players become your sixth man that you're relying on. And it's just tough to replace kids that you lose uh, in April. It, it's no so different than the private sector when you – Bring someone in, train them up, and and uh, pay for them to go through and learn about your business and everything, and then they leave. Um, that's time, money, effort, energy that you've lost, and, um, and, and and you can talk about talent and experience, but the experience is good to have. I mean, you look at a kid like Levi Stocker, who wasn't a huge contributor on the stat sheet, but Levi Stocker would have helped this team this year. Um, he, you know, he probably would have given you. a four four or five points a game and five to six rebounds a game, but he would have understood what it takes to be successful at this this level too, from a leadership standpoint. Um, so, So I think it'll be interesting to see how that, how that shakes out in the off season. And then they've got to get better at making shots. mean, uh, they've got to find a way to score. I mean, uh, early on the season, it, it was a lot of offensive execution issues of taking bad shots and making decisions. This uh, towards the end of the season, they just can't make them. I mean, there, there are wide open threes where you're just open for days with nobody else in the gym, and and they just they just clank off the front of the rim. And so they have got to figure out a way to uh, avoid these long droughts because. You're not going to have, you can, as, as pleasant as it is um, uh, to see Nigel Pack and David Bradford and the skills that they possess and, and the future is what it could be, you're not going to have um, sustained success uh, playing in the high 50s and low 60s. You just, you won't, you'll be, you'll be lucky to make it to 500, but you just, you can't win games at witness conference.
2: Rod Gilbert, all indications are that Gene Taylor will retain Bruce Weber, and I think the one asterisk to that is transfers. If, If he loses a core of these guys, they really have to look at it. Um... And he also indicated to me during a press conference that you have to evolve and they'll look into the transfer portal, but they are offering high school freshmen. And this is the other problem, something Jay and I have often discussed. When you lose your bottom three, you lose one year at least of experience, if not more, and you replace them with freshmen, you are always young. You always have that excuse, well, we're young, we're young. And it seems like this program is young with the exception of the years that they win Big 12 titles. And then the next year, you know what? They're young. They need to get this group together and let them evolve together as a group and keep them, even though it's challenging in this day and age. Hey, one of the biggest things is just getting the right recruits and making sure they don't leave.
1: I mean, I I don't want to point fingers at anyone, but it's like you were never gonna work out at K State. You can say that mm-hmm. a lot about with a lot of players. So but yeah. <clears throat> um It's, it doesn't, I would say it it matters a lot who you lose though. If Antonio doesn't return, excuse me. And if Montavious, that's Montavious is just a, that's, that's just bad luck with his injuries and you lose a guy like Lingard or Lewis or something like that. That's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. I don't know about you guys. I'm totally fine with that. If you lose Pack or Bradford or even Miguel, McGirl, Dejuan, any of those guys don't come back. Then that's just a huge problem. Yeah. So, but the, the whole it, it starts with recruiting the wrong guys. I mean, Kazuki, What if what if Weber brought in someone for you know, the exact same role that Kazuki's in that could actually hit the shots? You know what I mean? It'd just be so much more different. So I don't know how I feel about going out and getting what is it March eighth now and recruiting high school seniors. Okay. It does not sound like a good idea. Nope. You need help now. We we talk about it. I feel like every week you need help now. Go utilize the transfer portal.
3: There's in in today's world of recruiting with internet and two forty seven and you know Twitter and everything. There, there's no such thing anymore as a diamond in the rough. Um, if you are a player, you are found. And if you are a P five player that's available in march or april there's a reason why you're available in march and april um and it's because you're a friend you're either a fringe player that people didn't want to take a, a run on early um or you've got great issues and there's something there there's a reason why, you, why why you're still available and the, the two kids that um, k-state has offered i'm you know uh i, I don't know anything about them actually um Alston Mason's dad was at Barton County with me, uh, when, when I was there in the, in the, the mid nineties, but, um, it, it, he seems like a player who, who can be dynamic, but he seems really thin to me. Um, as from, a from, a um, size standpoint, um, that's a kid that can maybe help. If he, if he can come in and knock down shots and, and, uh, make baskets and, and help you in that regard, you, you, you know, take them. Yeah. If you can put the bat, the ball in the basket, then that's something this team needs. I do worry if you lose, you know, like an Antonio Gordon and Montavious Murphy, and then either Lingard or Lewis as well. On top of that, that you really fit in the post at that point. Um, and I, if you're going to take projects, I'll take seven foot projects over two projects, uh, all day.
2: I agree. Agreed. They have to get into that transfer portal. I mean, if they have a bunch of openings, getting a bunch of green high school players for what, how important next season is to the program and to Bruce Weber, you got to go find some guys that can get some buckets and know how to defend and play at this level right now It's just just a list. the, the,
3: The thing, the hard part with that, though, too, is, and this is where the recruiting misses earlier kind of compound right now, is you've got this great freshman class, but if you're a transfer portal kid and you've got one year to play, you're a fifth-year senior or you're a junior and you've got limited time to play. Are you gonna look at K-State that's too deep at every position right now? It, particularly in the backcourt, you know. Um, where, where am I gonna go break into the starting lineup? All I hear about, if I'm a point guard, all I hear about is how great Nigel Pack is. I'm not gonna break into the starting lineup there. I've got Salt Miguel two, uh, and three, and I've got Deshaun Gordon coming back as well, too, and then I've got David on Bradford uh, at the five. So, so if you're a transfer, you want to go somewhere where you can play. And um, the fact that K-State's loaded with so many young kids is going to be a hard sell for, for a lot of transfers uh, players, I think.
1: You, all, you also want to go somewhere that you're going to win and have a real chance yeah. to make the NCAA tournament. And I don't, know if that's certain for k-state next season so that's another aspect of that
2: very good fellas thank you very much to jay Hydrick, ryan gilbert and matt walters for his participation in the first half of this podcast i am fitz and this has been another edition of the powercat insiders podcast k-state tcu wednesday in kansas city in the opening round of the big 12 tournament the women will meet texas tech just down the road at Municipal Auditorium in Kansas City in their first-round game on Thursday.
1: Powercat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.